Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscaglia. Thanks, everyone, for jumping on and listening to this week's episode. We've uh, got a bit of a different challenge up ahead for the Bills, who are suddenly losers of two straight games. The first time they've done that this year, and first time in a while, really. Um, And they just dropped a pretty compelling game against the Buccaneers in overtime where they marched back in the second half. They were a no-show in the first half. I think we all know full well what kind of unfolded in that game. But now we're we're just kind of transitioning forward because, again, they're going up against an NFC South opponent. And this one is on the complete opposite side of things, of where the Buccaneers are currently and where their upcoming opponents, the Carolina Panthers, are. And we will talk about that matchup, what it what it's shaping up to be, how the Bills might approach this one, and certainly the uh, the elephant in the room, which is the Josh Allen injury. We'll get into all of that as we march into this week's preview episode. And to help us do that, I reached out and uh, got one of my all time favorites uh, on the NFL beat to to help pretty much tell us what's gone wrong in Carolina. And his name is Joe Person. He covers the Panthers for The Athletic. Um, just tremendous insight. Knows his stuff outright. Uh, the preeminent guy, if you're looking for um, if you're looking for Panthers information, he is the preeminent reporter uh, as to how to... Uh, how to anticipate what they're going to do next, what what has gone wrong, everything like that. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation with a fellow Joe. And uh, and yeah, we'll get into the matchup after that and talk about the prediction and how things could unfold for the Bills in this game. They're And they're back at home, and it's a 1 o'clock game. So we're uh, I know I'm looking forward to the 1 o'clock start. Uh, the rest of the way is 1 o'clock start, so pretty good. And then three of the next four are at home for the Bills. So let's get into the uh, the stuff that I think everyone is kind of thinking about just at the start of things. The big topic of conversation is about Josh Allen, his foot injury, and how effective he can be. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think from the way that I'm looking at it, uh, the... I don't, the way that he has kind of talked, the way that he kind of moved around in practice, it's all stacking. And the way that the Bills kind of left the door open to begin the week with Josh Allen, they were talking pretty optimistically 
at the beginning of the week. And, you know, usually Sean McDermott will shut things down when it comes to injuries and if he doesn't want to talk about talk about it. But, you know, him saying he has a chance to play on Sunday usually means that uh, the Bills are feeling pretty good about it. And it's not as though anyone on the opposition side is expecting anything less than Josh Allen. You know, Allen took part in practice on Thursday. Uh, We're recording this before Friday's practice. I'm assuming the same will be true of Friday. And uh, and we'll see what this one kind of looks like once practice unfolds. I'm sure he'll get a questionable tag just to take it up to kickoff. But I'm of the full belief that Josh Allen is going to play. Could be wrong, but... That is the way that I'm reading things as we're kind of going forward here. So I think the the bigger question is, if he does play, or when he does play, how differently is it going to look? Because obviously it's a foot injury, and his mobility is a big part of, of how he operates. And I think they just need to be a bit smarter with him. You know, I, I wouldn't say to take out the quarterback runs completely just because it gives their offense such a dynamic touch, but maybe try to just for this week, just to give him some time, maybe try to get that running game going a bit more and, you know, help, help use some, uh, some of these principles that have gotten them some success recently, whether it be uh, attacking the edges, um, with Matt Breida and Devin Singletary, um, you know, still up in the air as to whether or not Zach Moss will be able to or will not be a healthy scratch. I think a lot of it depends on whether or not Taiwan Jones will be able to play because he's been a, a non-participant on Wednesday and Thursday. So we'll we'll have to see how that kind of shakes out. But there is some line of thought to just rush it straight at the Panthers because they kind of struggle with with. Uh, some power. And uh, even though that hasn't been a, a strong suit of the Bills so far this year, I think this is a this is a week where they could establish some things from that perspective against the middle of the Panthers defense. Um, but that's all kind of the minutia of the broader point, which is, you know, maybe help Josh Allen not have to do so much back there. And I do wonder if this is going to help the passing offense in totality, because if he knows that he needs to be careful on on his feet, then maybe he kind of becomes a lot savvier in the pocket and a lot uh, more apt to stick within the pocket than maybe he had become recently because he's trying to make stuff happen. And against this Panther secondary, I think there's a there's a good chance for success with the guys that they're going to have out there in. You know, Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, uh, the Panthers do play a lot of man coverage. So Cole Beasley uh, will be matched up against, you know, sometimes a safety, sometimes a cornerback. You know, the Panthers kind of play it, play it differently. So there there are going to be some opportunities for the Bills. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of the way that I'm anticipating this thing to go. Um, even if Josh Allen doesn't play in this game, which, again, I'm expecting him to then I think the Bills can still have some success. But all in all, it's it should be about protecting him leading up to the Patriots game, making sure that you're not making the, the week leading up to that pivotal game 
a lot harder on yourselves by trying to overextend Allen in this one. Because the caliber of opponent between this week and the next week are two way different things. So that's that's why I think, yes, it, this game is important and they need the win to, to stack up another one to keep afloat. Of course, the Chargers lost on, on Thursday night, so that gives them the Bills a, a little bit more of um, opportunity to kind of move upward. And certainly if they want to catch the Patriots, then they're going to need a victory over the Panthers. And they know the enormity of the moment. I mean, Deion Dawkins said it on Thursday. You know, it's it's time to punch their ticket. And so that they know that they need to rattle off some wins in a row here. And it, it doesn't fall. Uh, it doesn't fall to the wayside for them. So I think that I think Allen will be in this game. And I just think they'll look kind of reel him in a bit. So that I think will be a good thing from a Bills perspective. Now, the other thing that I've had on my mind really this entire week has nothing to do with Josh Allen. And I wanted to get into this because to me, it's becoming a legitimate problem to where the Bills would have hoped it was solved uh, by this point in the season. And certainly with the moves that they made in the offseason. And that all has to do with what has unfolded with the defensive end position this year. It's been sometimes really good. Like, you know, they they invested a first-round pick and two second-round picks over the last two drafts into the defensive end position to try and get them ready for the next stage of their defense and to hope that these three guys will help lead them into that next stage and show some legitimate signs of growth along the way. And those guys being Greg Rousseau, who they drafted in the first round this past year, Boogie Basham, who they drafted in the second round this past year, and then AJ Epinesa, who is a second round pick in 2020. You have those three guys who have at times looked splashy, right? I mean, you think back to the Dolphins game in particular for both Rousseau and Epinesa. I mean, he, both those guys were on fire in that game. Rousseau had a couple of sacks. Evanessa had tons of pressures. Um, really, it's been against the Dolphins and the Jets. Those two guys have been pretty good, which is good because those are AFC East opponents. But I think the more concerning part is the rest of the season, they've effectively become ghosts. Um, not like totally off the radar, but they've only helped the pass rush sparingly with their own individual efforts. You know, I mean, Russo, sound run defender, so you don't want to take too much away from him, but it just hasn't clicked outside of games against the Jets and Dolphins. Epinesa has been washed out way too frequently. And then, you know, I mentioned some bright moments. I thought Boogie Basham played pretty well against the Patriots because that was mostly a uh, a run-heavy approach, and I think that's where he's better right now. But as a pass rusher, you know, he's he's not where he needs to be at this point, and that's a lot of the reason why he he has been inactive for eight of the team's thirteen games. So you look at Rousseau and Epinesa, who are really the the two the two guys here that you want to look to most because Basham, I mean, outside of the AFC East games, he's only played in three games. 
So you can't really judge his season too much outside of the fact that the Bills don't trust him enough to, to dress him every week. So Russo and Epinesa, when you look at the stats against the AFC East, like they've been they've been awesome this year. So you look at all of these different things. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull them up on the fly because uh I think it's important to uh to show how dominant that they've been against the AFC East, just as kind of a you know, a give and take from great to you know, maybe not so great. Um, against the Dolphins, Jets, and I guess Patriots, but Patriots don't really count because they only threw the ball three times. Rousseau had a pressure percentage of 19.4%. 10, I'm sorry, 13 pressures on 67 pass rush opportunities, which is an incredible rate. So those games, Rousseau was awesome. And of course, he had the two sacks. AJ Epinesa didn't have a sack in either one of those games, but he also had a pressure rate of 19.4%, getting 12 pressures on 62 pass rushing snaps. So those against those teams, they've been awesome. But the two things that the Dolphins and the Jets have in common are that their offensive lines are kind of horrible. I mean, we saw how effective the Bills were against the Dolphins early in the season. The Jets were dealing with injury and obviously inconsistency. They're they're one of the worst teams in the league. So that the level of competition wasn't as great. But to Rousseau and Epinesa's credit, they did really well uh, in those games. And you certainly cannot take that away from them because that makes up three of the team's 13 games this season. Just to kind of shift it forward, how have these two guys looked outside of those games? And what is their pressure percentage? What what have their pressure percentages been since that point in time? Or really outside of the AFC East, I should say. AJ Epinesa has been a bit better of the two. He only has half a sack in eight other games, but he has seven pressures in 109 pass rushing snaps for a pressure rate of 6.4%, which is, you know, average. It's not really probably below average. It's not, it's not going to help. And, and just the way that he gets washed out too, when you watch him on film, it has not been an ideal situation. Greg Rousseau has been an even worse pass rusher and that to me is the most concerning as they are marching forward because this is the point of the season where you want these guys to start to you know show a little bit more a little bit more that they're learning and it's been the opposite has been true for Rousseau in nine games outside of the AFC East Rousseau has only five pressures on 122 pass rushing snaps for a pressure rate of 4.1%, which is really bad. Um, just the way that he, or the potential, the ability that he can have, that low of a pressure rate is kind of jarring. And you look at the recent trends too. I mean, I'm going to throw the, the Patriots game out. So we'll say in three of the last four games, because, you know, Patriots... They didn't throw the ball. Three of the last four games, Rousseau and Epinesa combined 
have only two pressures, I believe on 80 or 81 pass rushing snaps. And that is not obviously going to get the job done between these two guys. So it's put the Bills in a situation where they thought that they were addressing this huge area of need or the one that that they looked to after the Super Bowl, the way that uh, Tampa Bay was able to limit Patrick Mahomes in that game. And they thought to themselves, all right, the key to getting past Kansas City is the pass rush. Almost to the point of neglecting the rest of the roster and, you know, just thinking that, okay, what they were able to do in 2020, bring everything back and then add a couple of young pass rushers and hope that that puts you over the top. But what has happened outside of games against the Dolphins and the Jets is that they haven't been able to trust Rousseau and Epinesa in pass rushing, need to have pass rushing situations. It's again fallen on Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. And they wanted Addison this year. I remember how they were talking in the offseason. They wanted him to be a mentor, manage his snaps to where he's not, uh, he can just be a pass rush specialist for them. And, and so that way they can keep him fresh because he's getting up there in age, everything like that. Mario Addison led the team in snap, led the team at defensive end in snaps last week. That is not where they want it to be. And then taking it a step further, I mean, Jerry Hughes is in his 30s, well into his 30s at this point. Both these guys are free agents at the end of the year. So what is this room going to look like next year? Especially since they have shown, by playing time, a real lack of faith in both Basham and A.J. Appanessa. It's a concerning trend for them because defense is so up and down. And if they don't have Hughes or Addison next year, and again, these guys are getting close to the end of their careers. They should not be as important to the overall pass rush as they have been. Well, maybe Hughes, but definitely not Addison. Jerry Hughes has been their best pass rusher by leaps and bounds this year. The, the sack statistics haven't been there as they haven't been for him, but yet again, from the outside, he's not getting a ton of help when, when he's on the field. It's really made them, in a lot of um, high-pressure situations, they've thrown out a Hughes with Addison and just kept the young guys on the bench, which is also another alarming thing. If you don't trust them in those, you know, those need-to-have situations, then what are you doing here? So they were hoping for a lot more from Epinesa in his second season, and it just hasn't been there outside of a couple of splash games. Rousseau, I'm sure. like R- Rousseau, um, he had one pressure in week 11, and he has not had a pressure since. Epinesa did not have a pressure in week 11 or week 12. Again, week 13 was the um the Patriots game so I'm not really going to count that one but then he only had one pressure uh out of 21 pass rushing snaps against Tampa Bay last week but the rest of the time like it was just too easy of of a pass rushing snap to take out and yeah the Buccaneers have a really good offensive line 
but I don't think that should be the tail of the tape to where, okay, nope, just, you know, chalk it up as a loss, go to next week. No, these guys have to show a bit more than they have. And Rousseau at least can stay on the field because he's a, a solid run defender. Epinesa has been a weakness in that perspective too. So it's not looking ideal right now, and they need to see some tangible results from both of those guys. It's it's the darnest thing. Like, Boogie Basham cannot even get on the field over F.A. Obata. And Obata has been a solid guy to have in the room, and he gives you some versatility inside-outside. But that should be the role that Basham is in, right? I mean, that's part of the reason that they drafted him. And that's why he was so appealing to them to the point in which, you know, they they were probably going to trade down if one guy wasn't there and their guy was there. So they took him and that was Boogie Basham. But he's been a complete non-factor outside of, you know, I think the one game he dressed early in the season, he had a sack on one of his first pass rushing snaps. It's like, whoa, okay. And they haven't really gone back to him. He's been inactive eight out of 13 games. That's not my mistake. It's because they believe he, out of all of their options, he doesn't give them the best chance to get after the quarterback and to do things the way that they want it to be done. So you have these three young guys who are going to be the lead of your defensive end room, the way things are slated to go right now. Like, What's the answer here? Do they... I would not be at all be surprised. I know one... Uh, during one of my um, pregame Q&As that I do uh, where I, you know, I take 10 questions from from uh, people on Twitter and you know give, give my opinion on stuff, Bills-related or what have you. One asked, please tell me the Bills are not going to use another huge draft resource on, on a defensive lineman. And my response was, in an ode to Harry Potter, I must not tell lies because it it could very well happen. This is a draft that seems to be heavy on pass rushers. And I would not be shocked if that is in the conversation, especially with how things have looked early on, because they have not gotten a hit and they certainly don't have anything of substance for the right defensive end spot to go against left tackles. They probably feel good about Rousseau to the point that he's just in his first year and he's going to learn the nuances. He's super young, everything like that. So he'll he'll be their starter next year and they'll expect a jump from him. But Epinesa has done nothing outside of one game against the Dolphins to make you think, okay, this guy can be a starter moving forward. He's losing snaps to a 34-year-old Mario Addison in a year where he's supposed to be taking a leap forward and that they have said they're uh, they were kind of expecting a bit more from him so it could be interesting there could be uh quite a bit of turnover at the defensive end spot maybe they signed jerry hughes to another one-year deal but that's just putting a band-aid over it. it really is i'm sure hughes who loves the area would probably like to be back if the money is right if he doesn't want to retire in the first place so they'll they'll have some decisions to make, and that's not even factoring in the fact that the defensive tackle room is probably going to look a bit different next year as well. Vernon Butler's going to be gone. He's his contract's done, and they've decided against playing him recently. 
Harrison Phillips is an unrestricted free agent, though I would bet that they're interested in bringing him back with the way he's developed this year. Justin Zimmer had a torn ACL in the middle of the season, so you know that's going to probably look different. They can save over $5 million by getting rid of Starla Tule. So this defensive line as a whole has the potential to be a ton different in 2022, and not in a good way, because... They're going to be there. Those guys are getting older. The guys that they've depended on and the young guys that they've wanted to kind of step up haven't really done it, at least from the defensive end perspective. I think Oliver has stepped up and certainly Harrison Phillips has has done a bit better now. So it's going to be a, an interesting offseason from the defensive line perspective. And, and they need to see a response from those young edge rushers over the last four games. I think this Panthers game is a good opportunity against, you know, just a below average offensive line. I think the Falcons game will be a good opportunity. Obviously the Jets game, but you also don't want to fall for fool's gold too against the Jets because obviously their offensive line is not really great to begin with. So yeah, the Bills need to see a lot. I think if they can get a bit more from those guys against the Patriots, that would be their best sign that the best is yet to come. Or even in the playoffs, um, if the Bills make it to the postseason, which I think they will, they need more. And that's uh, that's going to be pretty important for them and how they make their decisions in the offseason moving forward. All right. When we get back, we're going to uh, speak with Joe Person, who covers the Panthers for The Athletic, and talk to him about you know, the offensive line issues that they've got going on in Carolina. Uh, certainly... Cam Newton part two um, and how that's kind of looked and and what it's been like to cover a team that's pressed the restart button the way that the Panthers have after being successful for such a long time with guys like Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and a bunch of others. So uh, really looking forward to that chat. And then uh, on the backside of that, we'll get into the matchup and, and how I think this game has a chance of going. So uh, stay with us and we will be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, well, now join joining me here on the Buffalo Beat is one of my absolute favorites across the country on, on NFL Beats. Uh, he is the preeminent source for everything you could ever want to know about the Carolina Panthers. His name is Joe Person. He covers the Panthers for The Athletic. And he does a damn good job of it. Joe, thanks so much for taking a few minutes for us here on the Buffalo Beat to talk about what's what's really happened to the Panthers this season. 
Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on, Joe. It's uh, it's been a while. I, of course, the Panthers don't get up there very very often. I I seem to recall the last time uh, there was a little. Uh, it must have been preseason, I think. And uh, Cam Newton and Kelvin Benjamin. Cam Newton had had some words for Kelvin Benjamin. <laughs> Uh, that was, that seems like another lifetime. Ago. It really does. I mean, you bring up the, the name Calvin Benjamin and I think Bill's fans wince because that was a miss by being at the trade deadline. And, uh, I'm sure Panthers fans wince as well for how his career kind of unfolded there. Yeah. You know, I, I know, look down here in Charlotte, I think the general vibe is like everything that Brandon Dean and Sean McDermott touch turns to gold uh, because of the, the the fates that these two franchises have sort of the, the different fates and paths they've been on since since those guys went to Buffalo. But yeah, Calvin uh, Calvin certainly was uh, was was missed on Brandon Dean's ledger, but it doesn't feel like there's been too many of those. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. So I, I did want to start there because it's um, it's no longer. I think the pipeline has finally dried up from Carolina to Buffalo, um, which is funny to say because it took a while. But now that there's new GM, new coach, I mean, Dan Morgan went back down. So I guess that's that's part of the pipeline coming back. But um, right. what what has it been like after covering a team uh, or that um, with the Gettleman, Marty Herney, Sean McDermott, Ron Rivera, Brandon Bean? What's it been like transitioning from that pretty successful regime into what they are now. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's been a little jarring actually that Matt rule got here with, I mean, first of all, the end of the Ron Rivera era did not, did, you know, that did not, was a chapter that did not close particularly well for the Panthers. Uh, I understand the moves they were making. Uh, you mentioned Gettleman and then Marty Herney came back for a second stint they were trying to extend their championship window. And, you know, they had veterans like Keekley and Greg Olson and Thomas Davis and Cam, and they just kind of got old in a hurry, like mm -hmm. overnight. And uh, so Matt Rule was, was as you know, was brought in to, to kind of rebuild and, and, you know, kind of put his own stamp on things. He was a guy that rebuilt programs at Temple and Baylor quite successfully. But it's a different deal in the NFL, and a lot of the moves that Matt Rule and and, and now GM Scott Fitterer have been making uh, have been backfiring, uh, most uh, most notably and importantly at the quarterback position. These guys, I know we're going to get into it, but you know, bottom line, they have swung and missed at least two, and and. Maybe if you, if you if you think Cam Newton hasn't played well and won't the rest of the stretch, then you're talking about going over three at the quarterback position, and you're kind of running out of swings at this point if you're Matt Rule. Yeah, if when the season began, let's say when training camp opened up, the the roster came through. Did you ever, in your wildest dreams, envision yourself covering Cam Newton as a Carolina Panther again this year? No. <laughs> It, it had been, you know, I won't say an ugly divorce, but kind of an acrimonious divorce. Uh, Cam went on a um, went on a podcast 
I forget the I forget which one it was. I think I am athlete with uh, with Brandon Marshall and 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 those guys. And this was back in the off season. And he said, "Look, I think that uh, I intimidated the Panthers' new regi- regime." And I think there was some truth to that. Um, and and really by that, Matt Rule's a college guy. Matt Rule wants, just like a lot of guys who come from college, they want to run the ship. They want to be, you know, everything comes through them. And Matt Rule wanted like a young college type roster full of buy-in type players. And that's not exactly Cam Newton's MO. Cam Newton marches to his own beat. So there had been that, there had been that, that, you know, that breakup. And, 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 I, and on top of all that, where the belief was the belief within the organization that Cam Newton's shoulder was never going to be back to what it was and that he was a kind of a shell of his former MVP self. So adding all that up, I think that shows you how desperate this team was to try. You know, we talked about Ron Rivera's championship window. The owner, the new owner, David Tepper, has owned this team since 2018, and they have not, the Panthers have not sniffed the playoffs since then. And so I think some of these moves, bringing Cam in, trading for Stephon Gilmore, they were trying to, like, win now and rules rebuilding mission sort of be damned. And as I say, a lot of these have backfired, and you're sitting with a 5-8 and eight team with an aging quarterback – and at least from the outside, no real plan on fixing the quarterback position moving forward. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And it it, it always and I remember covering Bill's teams of, of past years where you would you would kind of hear hints of maybe ownership wanting one thing and, and the current um, the current trajectory of what they're trying to do with the coaching staff or even the front office, for that matter, doing another thing and those not lining up. And it usually leads to a mess. No doubt about it. And listen, I'm not uh, absolving rule for, for, uh, from blame on this either. I mean. You know, I, I think they all, you know, the timeline, his timeline has always kind of been privately three years. Mm-hmm. That, that that was sort of when his teams at Temple and Baylor took off. Uh, you know, he had Baylor in, in the Sugar Bowl against Georgia in his third year. He had Temple in a conference championship game in their third year. I think they Temple won like 10 games uh, that, that season. And so – you know, that's uh, – but, again, uh, with with all due respect to, to guys who've made that jump from colleges, you know, you're not playing Akron and Bowling Green. Even in a down year in the NFL and the NFC South, <laughs> you know, these are games – it is hard to win. You know this uh-huh. on every – any given Sunday, so we, so to speak. And Matt Rule's fighting that out. And and, and – the, the thing I keep coming back to, really, they have kind of fixed the defense here. They spent a lot of resources, either draft or free agency, and they have a pretty good defense. It has not played particularly well the last couple of weeks, but they have been a top three, top five defense this entire season. What Where they failed to invest money or, or the money they invested was were some pretty poor decisions was in the offensive line. 
And then, as I said, they they have skill position guys if they can keep Christian McCaffrey healthy. Mm. But quarterback, they have failed miserably, and offensive line as well. And, and it's been a mess on that side of the ball. Yeah, I, I mean that that has been kind of just just in watching their last couple of games. It like you would obviously know way better than me, but the offensive line just looks like an outright mess. And I know they were missing a couple of starters, but I do know one of their starters was John Miller and John Miller was not good in Buffalo when he was here for the amount of time that he was. And if that's the guy that they're kind of leaning on, then it's like, okay, well, what's really going on with that offensive line in in Carolina? So is that kind of the, the reason that this whole thing has unraveled is is there some to do with um Sam Darnold and obviously the injuries to him but it, he wasn't playing particularly well before that so how has this thing gone from 3 and 0 to 2 and 8 over the last 10, 10 games in a hurry yeah it's a great question and for the 3 and 0 start was a bit of a mirage you know, they they opened against the jets they played a, uh, a Saints team that was missing a bunch of starters in week two. And, and I think we've seen now that the Saints with Andrew Brees are, are not particularly good either. And then they went to Houston on a Thursday night when, when they lost McCaffrey the first time. So I think we all said, boy, this team could really start out of the gates fast. And they did. Um, they were able to get leads in those games. And so – you had all, you know, you weren't asking the offensive line to block, you know, 40 to 45 pass block, 40 to 45 times. You were, you know, you got a lead, you're start, you're running the ball a little easier, you know, you know, playing with that lead. Sam Darnold w- looked good in the pocket. So, so then Christian McCaffrey got hurt in that Houston game. The schedule got tougher. The protection that they, they were not getting those early leads. They started half having to run, uh, excuse me, throw the ball. And you saw a skittish Sam Darnold who was getting happy feet, who was not seeing the field and or seeing ghosts, as he infamously said in, in uh, with the Jets. And it just sort of crumbled. It was it, it was it really was a combination of, th- of things with McCaffrey the protection breaking down and McCaffrey and Darnold not handling well. Like you know, you'd watch the film and it's like, man, oh man, like you know, he he got to the point where he was like moving around in the pocket when it was a good pocket. And so mm-hmm. it, it all sort of snowballed. Then he got hurt. <laughs> and I know there were some whispers here about boy, it was a convenient time for him to get hurt, but you know, I think he had this shoulder blade injury. You do wonder if he was playing well, if they might have just shut him down for a couple of weeks. I, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they bring in Cam. They have sort of that, you know, pretty fantastic debut in the desert. But it was Cam. They were bringing Cam in at the like the two yard line. It was it was perfect in his, uh, you know, it was set up for success for Cam. And 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 they also, by the way, Joe played. The Cardinals without Kyler Murray, they won that. It's been pretty crappy ever since. Yeah. Wow. Um, So I guess from your perspective, if the Panthers are to walk into Orchard Park on Sunday and pull an upset victory, because I think 
the way that their season has gone and certainly the way that the Bills are, you know, feverish, feverishly trying to get back on track after uh, a couple of um, disappointing showings against New England and Tampa Bay. What has to happen for the Panthers to pull this one out on Sunday? Oh, boy. <laughs> Josh Allen should, can't play. Um, yeah, the, the Bills rest Josh Allen in that foot, which uh, probably at least the Panthers don't think is going to happen. Um, assuming Allen plays, they've got to get a pass rush. That, you know, that Like I say, this defense was keep them in, keeping the Panthers in games for a while. They were, you know, they they were doing a pretty good job with the pack, and they they have some good edge rushers in, in Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns. Both of those guys are on the light side, though, and so you see teams though just like, yeah, obviously you don't do this every down, and I know the Bills don't run a ton, but I think I think they'll run more because this is a kind of lean, light, athletic defense, especially on the edge, and they are vulnerable to especially power run games and zone blocking scenes, but, but really they've been pretty vulnerable against a lot of uh, any, any variety of running games. So, um, but that being said, if they can get some, a rush on Josh Allen, somehow create a couple turnovers, which they really have not been doing defensively, then I think maybe they've got a chance, but I don't think it's going to be, I, I don't think it's going to be a close game actually. Yeah. It's uh it it just seems like even though the Bills have struggled, it's kind of two teams going in completely different directions. So uh, so yeah, I think I think I'm I'm with you there a, a little bit. So I'm I'm excited for you. You get you get to come up to Buffalo. You might get a couple of snowflakes, something you don't get too often in Charlotte. So uh, we're we're looking forward to housing you here here. I know you're from the north too, so it, it'll be a nice uh, throwback for you. I'm a Pennsylvania guy, not not equating those winners with Buffalo, but <laughs> it was you'll appreciate this. I was talking to Stefan Gilmore this week, and of course he had five seasons in Buffalo. I had, by the way, nothing but but good things to say about Buffalo and the fans and the game day atmosphere. But I said to Gilmore, I said, so looks like it's going to be 31 and partly sunny Sunday. He's like, yeah, that's that's not really cool. He said that, that, that that's perfect football weather. So I think the the Panthers are getting a break uh, weather wise, but uh, I don't I don't think they're going to be as fortunate when when the game actually kicks off. <laughs> yeah, the, a nice little balmy thirty one degree uh, uh, December <laughs> home game. <laughs> awesome man yeah all right so that's joe person make sure to read all of his stuff to catch up on what's going on with the panthers and what is inevitably going to be a uh, a pretty interesting offseason for them down in carolina at the quarterback position more than anything thanks so much for taking the time joe i appreciate it have a great weekend look forward to seeing you When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, well, I, I guess you know why Joe is one of my outright favorites. The, the line of when I asked him, in order for the Panthers to win this game, what has to happen? His initial response of, oh boy, <laughs> it's just tremendous. I mean, that's kind of how things have, have gone for the Panthers this year. But when you watch them on film, especially the past couple of weeks, and that's been part of their losing stretch, they've lost two of, or they've only won two of their last 10. As Joe pointed out, it, one of the wins was against a Cardinals team that didn't have Kyler Murray. The other one was against a Falcons team that they just lost to last week. So it has not gone swimmingly for them from a defensive perspective recently, and certainly offense has been their major point of contention recently. So when you watch them on film, it's uh, last week was pretty ugly, if if I'm being honest, and especially on offense, even defense to a certain degree, but especially on offense. Their offensive line is a bit of a mess right now, and the way that it's kind of been trending, it seems like, you know, the, the Panthers were without their two preferred guards in um, John Miller and, let's see, let me get it for you, John Miller and Michael Jordan. But those two guys have struggled throughout the stages of their career, and it's it hasn't really been a consistent thing. And, and as Joe, Joe pointed out, like when they need to throw the ball a ton. This is not necessarily an offensive line built for that. I mean, even even if you're not factoring in the guards, the center Pat Elfline struggles. The left tackle Cameron Irving Irving will struggle with speed. Um, yeah, it's just uh, that group. Uh, their best player is their right tackle Taylor Moten, um, and he is their best one by far, but he there's only as the Bills fans know, one guy can only do so much. So that's kind of the the genesis of where it's all started to go wrong for the Panthers and where it, it can get pretty ugly. So what we talked about before we had Joe on about the uh the pass rushers and needing to show something the way that I'm terming this is I think this is a, a major opportunity for them to have a glow up <laughs> in in this matchup. I think whether it be Epinesa, Hughes, Greg Russo, I think these guys can have some success in this game. And I know Russo will have the toughest matchup of the bunch in against the right tackle in Moton, but I think the way that he uses his body is also pretty conducive to success against a guy like uh, a guy like their right tackle. At left tackle, Epinesa, with his speed and his speed to power moves that he likes to use, should have some success against Cameron Irving, who you know, just doesn't really move all that well and you know, it, it, it hasn't really been good. And if either of the guards do not play, then it could be a pretty nice day for guys like Ed Oliver, Harrison Phillips, uh, Ely 
and Koo, who were really impressed me uh, against the Buccaneers this past week. And, uh, you know, there's no guarantee that he'll be up for this game. But with Tyrell Dodson on the reserve COVID list, that's another free call-up. So I, I would tend to think that Anku dresses and they um, they make Vernon Butler inactive again. So I think there's an opportunity there. And that's where it starts because the Bills are going to be able to get some pressure on these quarterbacks. And when pressure gets on these quarterbacks, they are both very prone to mistake. Cam Newton is Cam Newton in name only now. Like, this is not the guy that I saw four or five years ago, even three years ago. He is a total RPO guy and doesn't always make the right reads. He'll he'll pop you for a good rushing game every once in a while. If he has these predetermined reads, then, uh, then he's able to get the ball to his target if it's against zone coverage, but... You know, there are other times where he stares down his target or his, his dump down option and, and players can can jump the routes and he's inaccurate sometimes. It's just, it's not the same guy. And, um, you know, being someone that saw Cam Newton at his peak, it's kind of a, a legitimate fall from, gra- from grace for him. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, I think him not asserting himself is not all that unexpected against uh against this against the odds of getting added middle of the season you know a certain degree of it is uh, probably wanting to get some more fan involvement down in, in Carolina I wonder if that was part of it or you know maybe thinking that they can capture the success of the old just hasn't really worked and that's the reason why you're seeing seeing them mix in PJ Walker and Walker can be a turnover machine if you get pressure on him. And I think that is going to be a huge focus of the Bills. You know, DJ Moore has been limited this week due to a hamstring injury. Who knows how effective he'll be in the game if he even plays. You know, Robbie Anderson has been a complete non-factor this year. And then their young guy, Terrace Marshall, has been losing out on playing time. You know, Brandon Zylstra is kind of just a guy. So there's... It's not great for um, the Panthers right now and what they're trying to accomplish, especially with the quarterback situation being as unsettled as it is. And their trump card was Christian McCaffrey, who is now done for the year uh, on injured reserve for the second time. So they'll hope that Chuba Hubbard and Amir Abdullah can get things going, but I'm not optimistic for the Panthers whatsoever, at least in the early stages of this game. I think this, I used the term before, I think it could be a glow up in every sense of the term for the defensive line against this offensive line to get pressure, to get sacks, and to dominate the game that way and to force turnovers to where it it makes it pretty easy on the Bills' offense. And offensively, I think the Bills can have some success against how the Panthers line things up. The Panthers are one of the most man coverage heavy teams in the NFL. I believe they were seventh heading into this week and they are not afraid of it. They've got Stefan Gilmore who can still play. Um, I think the guy to attack is Henderson, the other boundary cornerback. And one thing I noticed that the Falcons did in that game is they tried to bait the Panthers defenders with double moves and pump fakes and things like that because the Panthers defense 
pretty aggressive and they and they want to get turnovers and as Joe pointed out a couple minutes ago they have not been that successful at generating turnovers recently so I think that taking advantage of that especially if Josh Allen has to become more of a pocket passer in this game is going to be a, a huge component I think Gabriel Davis being in the lineup will certainly help I would expect Gilmore to be on Stefan Diggs and that to be a battle for a lot of the game and I think there is a huge opportunity for Gabriel Davis to win against Henderson on the other side. Uh, you know, to me, C.J. Henderson is yeah, just just an average player based on what he's shown. I know former first round pick, everything like that, but yeah, teams don't usually give up on former first round picks that quickly. And his former team did; they traded him away, and you know now the Panthers are trying to see what he can do. I mean, A.J. Bouye works in there. Rashawn Melvin works in. So it's not as though it's a, it's a defined situation at cornerback, and I think the Bills can strike in that regard. So yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunity here for the Bills offense to, to get going again, certainly to capitalize on what they look like in the second half of that game. The urgency in this game, I think, will be there from a Bills perspective after losing their last two. Backs up against the wall, everything like that. Um, the first time they really felt like their backs were against the wall was when they came into that Buccaneers game flat and entered the entered halftime down 21 points. And I think that's going to transfer over to this week. And I think even the running game could get going a little bit. I, keep your eye on uh, Singletary and Matt Breida for that because I think those two guys can have some success working to the edges and trying to uh, force this, uh, this Panthers defense to... Get side to side, which they are speedy, but they can fall for some bait every once in a while. As long as the Bills can keep Brian Burns at bay, the defensive end for the Panthers, I think they should be in for a pretty successful day on offense. So this game, uh, the line is not close. It's actually gotten closer from where it began. It started off as Bills favored by 11 and a half. Yesterday, when I checked it, the Bills um, were 10.5-point favorites. But now it's back up to 11. The over-under on the game is 44.5. Regardless of which quarterback plays, I think the Bills will have success on offense. But I do think Josh Allen is going to play, if if I had to guess. Could be wrong. Again, like I said before, could be wrong. But I'm guessing that Josh Allen will play and will be more of a pocket-based guy. And I think that could be um, pretty conducive to some passing success in this game so I'll take the bills in this one to win outright uh, I'm I think this one will not be particularly close and this is going to fall into the same equation as a lot of the bills other wins where you know they're going up against second and third options at quarterback and high chance of a blowout or the potential of a blowout is there against a team that's reeling like the Panthers. You know, the Panthers are just kind of lost right now. And, you know, th- their defense might come to play early on, but I think once the Bills really start to get settled for some turnovers, things like that, because the Panthers will turn the ball over with, with those two quarterbacks. And even if, you know, miraculously, Darnold does get into the game, he's it's kind of the same th- thing, same thing with him. And the Bills have had a lot of success against Darnold in the past. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Bills to win this one really convincingly. I've got a score of 31 to 16 
and the 16 coming from you know maybe an early touchdown with a field goal mixed in and then you know maybe a late touchdown just to make it feel closer than it is but I, I'm expecting the Bills to come into this game dominate get out of the game with a victory get to eight and six on the season and setting up for what they hope will be a game with the AFC East on the line if the Colts will handle their business on the other side and and beat the Patriots so a lot of things to consider but yeah I've got the Bills winning covering and I've got the over in this game because I think uh, the winds, the way that it's projecting, only supposed to be around like 8 to 10 miles an hour, 31 degrees. I think that'll be perfect for what the Bills want to do, uh, passing the ball offensively. And I'm looking for a potential big day from Gabriel Davis working against uh, the cornerback that they play, not named Stephon Gilmore. All right, so that'll do it for me. Um, the next time you'll hear from me will be after the... Bills take on the Panthers, a one o'clock game. Again, I'm very excited for a one o'clock game because that means my sleep schedule will be much better. You know, I, I do like the night games. I like I like the allure of them. Even the four o'clock games, it's it's a weird timing thing because, you know, you you submit your your written work and then your podcasting, and then before you know it, it's it's two or three in the morning. But uh the one o'clock games always great because you know, I know I'm gonna get home, get a good night of sleep and and be fresh and ready to go. But hey, that's reporter props and you don't want to hear about that all right so the bills will take on the panthers we will next chat after the game when uh, i will be joined by matt Beauvais, the sports director at channel 7 wkbw in buffalo and we'll speak about what looks to be probably a bill's victory but if it's not then we will have a lot more to talk about but i i tend to think that uh even if the Bills win. We will have a lot to talk about, especially spotting what's happening with those New England Patriots in the meantime. All right. So thanks everyone for listening. If you haven't yet, head to uh, theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat for a discount on your yearly subscription. It's very worth it because you get all the stuff written about the Bills, Sabres, um, NBA, Premier League, anything, any kind of sport or team you want to read about ad nauseum um, discuss with fellow fans about all, everything like that it's it's all worth it and you can get a discounted subscription right now uh, at theathletic.com slash all right we will talk to you on sunday thanks everyone my name is joe b and uh and we will catch you next time see you then